Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was thinking to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. One to sentences in the thought. Don't worry, just do Anchor. With all the portals and everything in a sensible way, you get a benefit. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it. Go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Hi all, this is Abhivardhan and this is the first episode of Season 2 of World in You in the fresh year of 2020 and this is January and I'm going to talk about something very impeccable. So, I have my own schedules but in this very season of World in You we will try at our best to give you episodes in every two weeks or three weeks as it is suggestive on our behalf. So, let's talk about three things today. First, uh, the way populism and the politics of redemption has affected us in the last decade and how will it affect, what are the signs that we are getting still and they are still not the complete ones that we are having. Then, the other part, uh, what will be the future of the rule-based international order in 2020? I can't tell you a whole scenario because that's not in my purview, but I can give you some gist of what is happening, some reflections. Uh, there is a strategic competence which is being addressed by two nation states. Now, the first nation state is India and the second is United States. And we are going to talk about it. Now, why I've referred these two in a pair is because uh, there's a... They are showing themselves competent strategically while one of them, the United States, has already been for a very long while, that is 70 years and it will be maybe for a short time. But I don't think that we should not, Why I don't think I, I found any reason not to compare because uh, US and India are going to have a very strategic competition among themselves. That, that is very interesting. Two friends who are going to have a com competence. So we're going to talk about these three aspects and uh, I hope you really like this podcast. I hope you embrace it. So let's discuss this issue. Now, what is the big aspect about all of this? What's the big role behind this? So let's start with populism. Now, all of the times we actually get to the rhetoric of populism and people say that, okay, populism is all about a popular sovereignty some suzerainty that is given to things. It's also connected with identity politics, which is correct, although identity politics is never ever about uh, just the very scenario of uh, 
populism identity politics has nothing a lot to do although yes a major faction which we see in results in electoral uh, you know results that we see in various countries we feel that identity politics has a lot to do well let's understand some examples identity politics can be converged into two types there can be more but still the most popular or you know most visible ones which are in the media these days are the first is the one which is concerned with the majoritarian politics and the other one in the identity politics which is very important is the preservation politics the conservative politics where not not exactly the conservative politics but i should say conservation politics why is because uh, there are some uh, political factions who do not get a majority or that much uh, you know power or dominance but they just keep their stronghold like the scottish national party the kind of keeping their scottish independence agenda on top the nicola sturgeon wants to get a scottish referendum again since uh, jeremy corbyn or any of the remain alliance members could not get that majority boris johnson's conservative and unionist have got it there is likely no chance so there's this unlikely any chance that it could happen now let's understand some other identity factions as well now i'm not going to talk about the majority identity factions that is the republicans in the us the bjp in india uh, you know uh, and other political parties like you know obviously the conservative and the unionists um uh, john bolsonaro's party then erdogan's akp uh, then we have other political parties as well like the peace party in poland viktor orban uh, party and yeah other nation states but i think currently also imran khan's party tareek e insaf but uh, the thing is that we should be very specific about it not just a majoritarian politics a very big faction of identity politics or i should say a whole faction of identity politics almost is all about the idea of redemption what happens is that in the past centuries not in the past years like let's go behind the second world war the first world war uh the rule based international order was not there although an international order was created which was aristocratic which was way based on wars uh, mostly based on conflicts not based on much trade relations although trade relations were a very big part they were a very crucial part of the political empires whether of the us whether of any indian king any sultan any particular you know empire even the ottoman empire i should say even the british empire to be honest so uh, you know uh, the british empire was a very uh, uh, astute very different segmentation of the world it actually changed with times and uh, we saw a big change right in africa also we saw the change in india we saw the change uh we had the russian empire but it was replaced by the communists that is the bolshevik revolution then in india we got the freedom struggle done under the indian national congress and other political organizations and uh, the partition happened after that the whole pakistan was divided into east and west pakistan where the east pakistan became bangladesh and then we have some other considerations so a decolonization and a disintegration of many united empires and other united factions have been happening so this is not separatism but this is like people just want to be individualistic for a while so the international order under the united nations and other organizations like the european economic community the arab league the 
World Trade Organization came a long, long after, you know, in the 1990s, but let us say the ITO and even the non-line movement, all of that actually emanated the rule-based international order in a way that let's firstly internationalize things, let's make better relations, let's stop wars, although there were some significant developments in the Cold War era, like the Iran-Iraq war, uh, killing of Saddam Hussein, uh, attacking Libya, also uh, the Bangladesh war, you know, the Mukti Vahini issue, also uh, how, what happened in course of, you know, in the Eastern European area, what happened in Yugoslavia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, the cultural revolution in China is also important, although it's not a war, but still significant because it's connected. But I'm getting very specific here now. So the important aspect is that the rule-based international order had to do a lot with responsibilities. What happened was that political legitimation was given to the global left and the global liberals. I should say the center, not liberals generally, but center. Now the left and center were given a lot of political legitimation. I don't say the political right does, didn't have any. There are instances where the political right has also been there, like in the UK, a lot of times the conservatives have contributed to the rule-based international order. Uh, even the Republicans have contributed. In India, we saw the role of the BJP later, but still it was. But there were some conservative factions even in the Indian National Congress, so we can't say. So there are a lot of instances out there. Still, let's understand this. Now what has happened? So in 2011, when the whole Syrian revolution started, the whole Egyptian revolution engulfed in the Middle East, it just started astoundingly. Then, just before, just a couple of years back, the world had seen the economic crisis. Also, a couple years back, the world had seen the resignation of Tony Blair. Now, all these events are not directly related, but they indicate something. When Tony Blair had left the Labour Party, the Labour Party was then captured by the far left. And that had a very big impact on the Labour Party. And David Cameron was then the leader of the opposition. A quick election happened in 2010, after John Gordon. And uh, we know what happened. David Cameron won the election. The Conservatives got their stand. And uh, it's a big thing to see. Things changed. Uh, in future, 2015, again David Cameron won. He got a pressure. But between that, there was a Euro crisis. There was a descent towards multiculturalism, in the, not only in the global right, but also among normal people who don't even, who think that indigenous interests in the wake of globalization are are being lost our cultures are being lost i don't say my culture i mean the people's culture here i don't say our culture but i say the people's culture because here i refer in that way so the culture of you know the indigenous cultures and the indigenous business interests of the people were losing globalization was not entirely responsible for that but it was because western powers and certain other asiatic countries were taking advantage China is taking advantage, India is taking advantage, Japan is taking advantage, Singapore is taking advantage, Korean nations are taking advantage, Bangladesh is taking advantage. So, uh, the Western interests were obviously affected. Europe was affected, USA was affected, and uh, corruption was another issue. Multiculturalism was a problem for some because multiculturalism 
was embraced but then it was thought that you know the main cultural values are being lost and yeah that to to some extent people were feeling about it whether now now whether it was happening or not is not my question so i would not forward on that now there's something very interesting about it the first ever populist interference which could have been discernible was not david cameron but i think one of the most imperative could have been in the case of most probably if we say in asia it could have been india in 2014 uh then the narendra modi led bjp led nda won a great majority the bjp itself was capable to form the government however the coalition formed the government and uh, we saw big tremor in the indian politics because we saw that um it was not fought on some religious considerations it was not generally a matter of identity politics although identity politics was a catalyst in the in the further times for the ruling party in state elections in india and also in the 2019 elections but it was not the whole scenario the people of india had become much federal in voting when it comes to state elections and national elections but also in the national elections they had interested on some kind of redemptive nationalism that they want to give some kind of they want to get some kind of solutions they expect a lot now protesting on it is another issue they can protest on that that's another problem what are the uh, moral considerations on the protest i am not going to talk about that what are happening right now on various issues but still the people of india voted right now the thing is that uh, let's keep aside the issue of protest but let's understand the development here vladimir putin also in russia won a second term in 2018 or 2017 if i'm correct and uh, he became the president of russia again he has got another term and under the russian constitution you can't go beyond two terms two consecutive terms so vladimir putin will have his term done in 2024 and at that time the brexit referendum happened in 2016 just two years after modi's election and you know one or two years before putin's election where the conservatives realized actually david cameron's faction realized that uh, you know there's a whole lot of change happening and uh, the conservative party faced it theresa may became the prime minister cameron resigned uh, boris johnson became foreign secretary uh, david davis became the brexit secretary and things changed a lot uh, but you know some some other fringe politicians like the like jacob rees mogg and the i should say boris johnson to an extent and also from the party of ukip that is nigel farage and also some people like tommy robinson these people were still active they had their own goals to an extent they had convinced the british people at all over over brexit over the european institutionalism but the problem with populism is not just about the fact that it's actually catchy but it's actually about the problem that it's more about redemption when brexit becomes a problem the british people voted although we know the cambridge analytica scandal we know that a fringe was affected and there are issues of evidence but still the cambridge analytica has a big role so it can be said that there is an interference and there is an interference it's provable to a limited extent but yes 
even if the fringe was affected and then after the fringe even if we assume that the fringe was affected and after that a, a part of the british people were were influenced influenced uh, the matter of realization changes right secondly identity politics is very interesting because that's what we saw in the british election these times the labor party has lost the election and the basic reason is that they have two kinds of votes two kinds of coalitions in the past in first past, past the post system first is a very liberal one which uh, doesn't care much about the effects of globalization in fact they embrace globalization but vehemently in a different way and one part which is more veteran which is more conservative which thinks that you know we should be patriotic and we should align to our national interests they did not find that image in jeremy corbyn and many of the very truest labor candidates who were capable enough to win like dennis skinner lost miserably now it's not just about the fact that jeremy corbyn was responsible or the hard left was responsible here but also the fact that it was a risk even for the conservatives they could have even lost the selection boris johnson was failing in many of the debates if you could see the past debates uh, the brexit party had become insignificant it was just a fringe to be honest it was not significant it actually encouraged kind of tactical voting the remain alliance had a had a leverage but the liberal democrats were not doing good because uh, due to the wake of the labor party as well you know the anti semitic and all of that and also the hard left populism of labor uh, the liberal democrats the greens the climate cdu and all of those were not getting a chance at the end of the day that was a very big issue but if we even if we just think about this aspect the problem is simple redemption a lot of youth left the labor party and joined the conservative maybe joined the conservatives or not we don't know but the thing is like trust is a very big issue redemption is a very big issue anything regarding identity like brexit has become an identity issue these days not so much but still so the world order doesn't believe in any kind of high end majoritarianism which many scholars academicians and experts say it's all about fascism dictatorship it doesn't work in that way populism actually is a wave which shows that people have a lot of distrust discontent and dissent and they feel that when we are at a stage then when we are capable to resolve our basic issues let's just make that happen brexit is not just about the fact that okay a referendum happened somewhere down the line a faction of the british people had discontent with globalization with the european union and there were some issues around although yes there should be a consensus between both the sides that's the basic thing here <clears throat> now let's get to the united states hillary clinton lost the election in 2016 and donald trump became the president the most one of the most controversial president i shouldn't say the most controversial but one of the most controversial presidents of the united states he <clears throat> vowed to left the paris agreement the jcpoa uh, the you know he vowed to just scrap off the nafta and actually encourages the usmca uh, with canada and mexico uh, he 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 advocates a, uh, you know he uh, he tries to advocate international law but he fails miserably because uh, many a times he does not but i think that if you watch how trump tweets or you know posts on facebook it's never ever about his political rhetoric 
he just tries to create a post truth scenario so populism has shown that the post truth scenario is never ever about just monopolizing what is true that never works to be honest that never works in politics but the post truth scenario is also not about a social and cultural democracy which is depleted which means that a political democracy or a political legitimation we should say legitimation i'm using because there are some nation states where there is no democracy so i'm taking china for example i am taking some other nations where there is no full democracy or you know i don't say that democracy must be imposed imposed so i believe that i should use this word that's why so i say political legitimation or political democracy it is not equitable or equal or proportionate to social and cultural democracy the problem with identity politics is that when you actually mix up the way society lives the way our fundamental rights are to be directed the way our cultural rights are affected then it becomes a big problem but it has a big connection with the idea of redemption and since it has a very big connection with the idea of redemption it becomes a big problem for all of us that actually has been seen in india people say there is hindu nationalism but if we understand the concept of hindutva if you understand how hindutva is being utilized it's not just about the soft and hard factions of hindutva uh, there is also a redemption that has been going on that's why a lot of people believe in the bjp there's not there's nothing like uh, just a stagnant wave uh, a, a stagnant stagnancy in liberal thought the problem is that the liberal thought itself has no solutions here so many a times like uh, there have been 45 presidential orders in the matter of article 370 so the article 370 had already become redundant so it was a very impacting decision by the indian government and it was uh, a very strategic and legal decision but if you go to the issue of the ram temple the very interesting legalization is given so what happens is that redemption actually is showing its colors and when redemption is completed like the ram mandir issue is now resolved completely resolved i think there would be no uh, review petitions unless there might be a case that in future something happens but as of now there would not be but when when we say there's there's no redemption here it's good now let us understand the other perspective here when there would be no redemption on this how would it affect our lives it would affect our lives in this way ram mandir would not become an issue of polarization in india right it's a populist faction it would not become so in that way it actually would curtail all the problematic aspects of what the identity politics could have been in terms of you know the hindu identity the hindu identity however is a very beautiful idea in really in a in a in a, in a religious sense it's not a, a theological idea entirely it's a geographical idea so you know there's a lot of evidences to prove that the hindu idea itself is geographical by nature cultural by nature social by nature it is not theological like christianity or judaism or islam it's not like buddhism even buddhism even is a different idea but still it's not theocratic so hinduism itself is a very beautiful and pious uh geographical idea based on what is evidently present the purpose of populism will fade uh some trends have been seen where climate change became an issue 
maybe a climate change based populism can arise under Greta Thunberg not as a politician but as a fact that it will in you know enrage others like climate change has been a major issue it became some kind of issue but brexit uh, over 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 you know did override everything but still basic impacts were there and uh, you know in countries like you know slovakia uh, i should say Uh, even in finland climate change is a big issue in all the scandinavian countries recent elections in the scandinavian countries even in new zealand climate change is a big issue but maybe who knows climate change populism can come into play so climate change can be a new agenda for populists so uh, let's understand this very clearly populism is not the not a, not the progeny of 2011 or 2014 or 2016 whether the us elections the brexit referendum india's narendra modi election or we should say the putin election or we should say uh, you know the 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 egyptian revolution or the tunisian revolution it's not just due to that i mean if you study the middle east you will find that the biggest activism that came into the forefront was because of facebook a lot of people joined from the middle east into facebook and in, in you know sparked a slacktivism which is a term given by a political scientist slacktivism a kind of a very slacky activism which is shown by facebook pages i mean this is very interesting by twitter feeds by making it trending and the same slacktivism is being used by people in the protests against the nrc uh, also used in the protests against uh, violence happening also in the kashmir issue people are using it so uh, this is something which is very interesting to understand slacktivism has become the trend now it's it's become the new normal so populism itself has a very interesting aspect now let's get to the other topic multilateralism and rule based international order how will it be changing so multilateralism has been affected um, united states is one of the key examples but uh, a new kind of multilateralism still can emerge under some nation states which i think that they might be in that case to do so the first is the russian federation because uh, the russian federation is now involving itself into some economic affairs because since donald trump is elected there's a very big chance and actually it is happening that russia is giving getting some kind of limited leverage according to the world bank report its economic growth is now happening to some good extent uh there are some other countries which are also doing good like bangladesh uh pakistan funnily but yeah to an extent but thanks to saudi arabia support as well then qatar is already doing good uh, japan is one of the economies that is going good uh, korean economies asian economies are already doing very good indian economy is not doing very good these days it's it's india is facing an economic slowdown that's a big issue so india is somewhere down the line not in that forefront but still india's economic power is regarded by the world it is true because what happens at the level of the diplomats is different from what has happening at the limit of the at the level of different administrations like the homeland foreign secretary the homeland secretary the homeland security person from the united states or a person from fbi may not understand how a cbi person in india works you know or how uh, uh, the district magistrate of india uh, you know i mean i a city or a district i should say i'm sorry uh, this a city district works right so there's a difference out there's a dichotomy out there so it's very interesting uh, 
but uh, recently just something very significant happened uh, the foreign minister or the, i should say the minister of external affairs if it is correct uh, sergey lavrov of the russian federation just encouraged india's inclusion into into the eurasian economic union the economic union of five member states that is uh, russia kazakhstan uzbekistan belarus and other plus soviet countries so generally the role here is changing and nobody can ignore it the very reality would be to understand how much we can accept it even the trade relations between uh, the eu and the eu that is european union and the eurasian economic union have increased so far i think it's a 16.7% which makes which makes the eau the third largest partner with the euro european union so uh, the european uh, politics will change it is being affected we can't say that we just will stop russia that doesn't work in european politics that actually has not gone so far so since through 2015 this european economic uh, eurasian economic union was formed and actually it has a very big impact here so a kind of a v can be formed between the european union and the eurasian economic union obviously there are concerns with respect to eastern europe with regards czech republic slovakia uh, hungary italy uh, the post the past soviet nations uh, colonies i should say not colonies but yeah like kind of soviet blocks um um georgia you know uh, estonia all these countries matter right so there would not be any soviet agenda anymore but russia will take its stance anyways so this is something which is very basic here and it's a very interesting thing that uh while it considers itself in a way let's understand the gdp of eaau it's 1.9 trillion us dollars which is a big big part of the world also the volume of external trade of the eaau with third countries in 2018 now the new data is yet to come was itself united states dollars 700 uh, 753.8 billion which is 3.3% of the world export and 1.7 of the world import but still it's significant and it's set to increase china has already begun with a relationship maybe in the past years with the eaau and india is also set to be included in the eaau not directly china which is very interesting because <laughs> even if china is included uh, i think the eaau member states have their own assumptions so armenia belarus kazakhstan kyrgyz republic russian federation all these nation states have their concern and they will lay down their economic concerns and so here is actually very interesting here happening it's not about the politics of accession the politics of war the politics of just mere soft or hard nationalism it's also about economic development and dominance so economic identification is also being done these days and it's very interesting to happen so multilateralism may be affected it will be adversely affected these days yeah of uh, we can say that yes uh, after the killing of qasem soleimani iran and us can wage a war practically that doesn't seem to happen because there are some tactical allies of the us and also uh, of the of the iranian republic so 
there's no apparent chance that there will be a war although iran has already fired 12 missiles <laughs> to the houses of the us troops in a region and uh, that is a significant and proportionate response to what the us had done because now whether you call it legitimate or illegitimate that was a proportionate response by iran even these days in the coming years you will you must have seen that nation states like pakistan iran russia all these of these nations are you know making their considerations very interesting now to an extent india is also following this trend like india recognizes the israel palestinian issue but voted in favor of israel in the economic and social council regards an organization known as shahid india has its own uh, concern and it did it india also you know uh voted against the united states in the general assembly uh, with regards uh the issues on palestine and also india has its own diplomatic factions while in the issue of pakistan and kashmir india has developed some kind of restraint uh yeah obviously to to a limited extent kashmir has been internationalized people are talking about it Uh, but india has you know gone beyond the convergence of moralist redemptions all the time moralist redemptions were imposed on nations but india has tried to go get over that which is something very interesting now india is also aligning to the global right to a limited extent by two events first the howdy mo howdy modi event and secondly inviting you know a private invitation of the MEPs from the you know European Parliament who mostly of I don't say most of them all of them are right wing but yeah most of them are right wing if you check some of them from liberals some of them from the left but yeah most of them are you know right right wing not others but right wing that is another thing but still they were invited and uh, it was a doctored event in a doctored visit to Kashmir I should say Naya Kashmir and uh, it was a kind of event in which india tried to show that you yeah, know they are open but yeah that was a restrictive time and since such political decision whether correct or incorrect immoral or moral was taken into consideration and uh, that actually something happens so binary politics will change the way uh, moralization has been in the rule based international order will change um now what will be the role of united kingdom after brexit that is very interesting to understand well one of the chief roles of the united kingdom after brexit would be to reaffirm its conservative stance the conservatives have been much in accordance with their policies now regarding uh, the issue of qasim soleimani in the house of commons just yesterday uh, one of the members members of parliament uh, from the scottish national party questioned uh, the foreign secretary about the uk's role and the foreign secretary said that he wishes to uh, not interfere in this issue however if any ally even the united states does not follow the rule based international order the uk will take necessary action as required currently under the world of dominic cummings there is no scope of a very enraged united kingdom post brexit because the united kingdom under boris johnson also would not think of any very impeccable change maybe they would take a sheltering approach 
But yes, on some specific stands, the United Kingdom will arise and create its own domain. Now, what will happen to Emmanuel Macron, Angela Merkel and other liberals and their far right? Well, in case of Emmanuel Macron, he will be a hardcore liberal who will focus on legitimacy, who will focus on what is actually happening. He will he will neither legitimize, he may or may not, I don't say he will, who knows, he may or may not legitimize the whole issue, but he will be on his own principles because he has to face an election very soon. And uh, he has also some considerations in the international community. So being a hardcore liberal, he will do. Justin Trudeau also might not take any particular stance here and he would also follow the similar trend because he has his own minority government, he has his own considerations with a person like Jagmeet Singh who has his you know, own faction. So yeah, he has to manage that. Uh, then, uh, you know, redemptions do exist. Uh, Pakistan would have a very beautiful geopolitical advantage here. But it's just a coincidence that Pakistan is that kind of a nation with a geopolitical advantage. So that is why it's very strategic to take such actions accordingly that, you know, in the Iran issue, it will have a it'll have some stake. Afghanistan also had does, does, does some stake. So, yeah. So let's get to the last part now. Uh, just the last comments for the rule based international order I wish to make before we move on on US versus India. On the multilateralism perspective, there is no break breakdown of multilateralism the need is that it should shift now from the west to the east and there should be a convergence of the multipolarity that is existent now among nation states because while the west thought that they had an alliance of nations or so-called partnership of nations partnerships will now emerge more than alliances because the monopolistic and inflated nature of alliances was against the communitarian nature of partnerships. Actually that has been embraced and I will get on US and India now but there's a very important excerpt from a speech by given by Guy Rostat who is the chief Brexit negotiator and also an MEP for the Renew Europe group in the European Parliament, he said in a lecture in, th uh, in December that uh, uh, the recent issue regarding European Union is that, you know, a communitarian approach which actually engulfs people together, which actually, in, you know, includes people together to work from the local level to the higher level in an integrated and federal way so that everybody gets a choice and a right is also a moralist consideration. And at the same time, when it is done in a moralist way, it should involve, firstly, it is scientific, it's not authoritative, and actually it involves. So if it involves a way to cater solutions, it also makes us united because we are in a similar reference. And there is no discriminatory aspect about a communitarian approach. The problem, however, with the European Union institutions has been some kind of, uh, you know, extra governmental interference perspectives, although the European Union has been a success in many ways but yeah there are some issues because the, not just the far right but also the far left have been responsible so things will change they will take time and there will be some necessitated action but yeah uh, if we have some nations like the Russian Federation nobody wants a war the Russian Federation wants its stance created and if it is also in creation then there is still a balance 
and that why might seem to happen because the syrian civil war is also at a brink of an end maybe it will and uh, since the kurds and assad have partnered now maybe there will be a big signif- significant change very soon so multilateralism will be changing and it will get into multipolarity now multilateralism would not be directly affected but a country which needs to understand the very uh, change in the nature of multilateralism is that it will never ever be ethnocentric and unitaristic all the time which means it will not be just aligned to the united states all the time or the european powers but it will also think of other powers like singapore india china russia and even bangladesh and other nations like new zealand australia uh, even the african nations have a big stake now so this would change everything it's like a big change it's nothing about another side of a conflict so multilateralism won't be defeated uh, china needs multilateralism that's the biggest reason also other reasons exists many nations who are thriving in globalization need multilateralism so multilateralism would not be destroyed but partnerships would actually make it happen that's why india said that we don't believe much in alliances although alliances are important and we insist that whenever it is necessary we should preserve them but we they believe more on partnerships rather than alliances that's the uh, that's the core idea that actually dr s j shankar the minister of external affairs of india uh, government of india tried to say that now let's get on india and the us now india is a very emerging nation and uh, politically it has an economic power although economic slowdown is affecting but uh, india will face this prime minister modi will survive this and there will be some chances that it will mend forward but in the diplomatic stand india has got a very good image at least by success because uh, india has got the security council non permanent membership for 2 years that is 2021 and 2022 um then india uh, actually had contributed a lot in the climate change action to uh, to the united nations for which it got its embrace india has uh, you know been invited as i told by sergey lavrov to include itself into the eaa eu so delhi has got a pledge and you know there are a, there are some other considerations that on the kashmir issue india has kept its stance china tried to nudge a lot but it didn't work out india has managed the p5 nations effectively and with china it does not have any better nation better better uh, better relations so far so good and uh, it won't be happening so far with china also they have a good management perspective so it will be taken into consideration and india will get a advantage maybe very soon in 10 years or so india might get a permanent membership in the united nations security council but for that india has to has to uh, make credibility perspectives where it has to you know unite the global right the global left and the global center together in that way it would actually be beneficial for india and it is good that india is not interfering in the iran us issue due to the, you know the fact that it has escalated further due to the killing of qasem soleimani uh, but if india does interfere it would be unfitting for india to do so because it is a strategic ally of the us 
and that would actually count a lot so india should strategically take actions and uh, currently there is no such issue with india to move forward but well, let's see the united states the united states is failing not fully but to some extent you should never underestimate the role of the united states just because of president donald trump or the republican party because there might be a case that trump might win the election he has a lot of chances to win because the hard left of bernie sanders and elizabeth warren couldn't make it through and they wouldn't make it through if they continue the same ultra progressive politics which consists of the woke culture he they were warned by president obama but there's unlikely any chance that they would make any change so they would follow the same strategy of jeremy corbyn the hard left populism they would not move forward and bring something to excite people is not the way to move forward to be consistent and uh, pregnant with what is happening is something which is reasonable while cory booker joe biden kamla harris and all of these people they have another chances kamla harris has already quit the campaign but yeah other people like cory booker jim biden and other politicians have their chances maybe joe biden can be a very good contender to president trump uh, if he is then there might be a chance but still it's dependent whether there would be any chances to proceed there anyways let's uh, understand one more aspect here uh, no matter what the political relationships are the united states will actually have a much trust issue now the killing of qasim sulaimani was somewhere on the line legal under the us law and the way it was proceeded with was also proportionate because he was uh, because qasim sulaimani was declared as a terrorist faction by the united states and uh, that actually entitles him to do so now the thing is that iran's retaliation is very important and it will affect the united states anyways but the united states will lose its credibility if this trend continues and maybe if trump is elected again then until 2024 there's no chance that the united states will gain its credibility instead it will lose its credibility a lot uh there's no middle way unless there it would there would be it would only rely on its strategic alliances and those nation states who actually support them to a, to an extent that they could catalyze the repercussions of whatever their actions are like japan tried to do that india tries to do that uh, uh to an extent european nations also catalyze whatever their efforts are like in the jcpoa the paris agreement and all the issues the uk also feels the same way so um that's the basic thing here now the what the future would be is that uh, india will dominate and maybe it will get a chance but it will be might be it will be and might be through the united states itself because that would be a key factor here so through the united states india will get an opportunity to be centered and also get a leadership opportunity in the security council by gaining the permanent membership but it will take a lot of time and some diplomatic efforts will take time and also all the parliaments of the you know the member states of the un must agree with it the security council must agree with it so efforts are being done and it will take time and in that way india has emerged in many ways so diplomatically it will take time but um the economic relations are gaining strength uh the the strategy of preserving your stances and em- embracing a shadow diplomacy 
is something very interesting. You can find one of my articles in institutegreatereurope.com in which I have written on India's shadow diplomacy under Narendra Modi, which is very important for you to understand if you wish to read more or understand shadow diplomacy. Shadow diplomacy is basically that, okay, you may or may not violate the highest cogents of international law, that is the peremptory norms, but you kept a stance or you keep a stance which is defensive or not defensive, but kind of an aggressive for one side, but still, even if people feel that there are some repercussions or impacts, India as, India as a country or anybody as a country can at least keep their moralistic interpretations ready and they can still keep their legitimacy created. And under redemption politics, shadow diplomacy can work better because India can show its redemption and also its contributions. So India has a moral capital and also a kind of um, contribution capital. That is why India will get an advantage in these years and there would not be any issue in the turbulent times. So definitely India as an economic power will get a benefit and India's uh, liberal marketeering stand will continue with redemption politics. So redemption politics will help a lot of nations grow like India, diplomatically, Russia, China and other nation states like Singapore. Uh, who will be affected the most are the United States, United Kingdom, United Kingdom the most because of Brexit, the economic problem. Uh, geopolitically, yes. Culturally, depends. But still, yes. Uh, European Union, uh, it, if nation states still don't want any another kind of a Brexit situation with themselves, there would not be. And... Uh, uh, European Union has become much diverse by representation in the European Parliament, so there would not be any sketchy issue with the European Parliament. So there would not be any problem there, soever. And there, that would be the consideration for today. So we end the first episode of World in You, the one of the long longest ones ever. So I hope you love this podcast and please share this. Uh, you'd really love this and. We would be indebted for your support. Thank you so much. Follow us on internationalism everywhere. We would be happy to hear you. Thank you so much.